all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and today we're talking on, on Southern Remedy about mental illness. Mental illness, just those two words for many, conjure up a vision of someone who's unstable, right? Not maybe reliable, uh, sometimes not very bright, and sometimes scary. The stigma of having a mental illness is real, and we need to do something about that. But why do you think that in this medically advanced time, we still have this stigma Why does it still exist? What do you think? Do you know someone, or maybe you, have avoided seeking treatment for the fear of being labeled? Maybe for the fear of your job being threatened? Maybe for the fear of the way your family or relatives may think of you? I would dare say that um, that fear maybe is compounded if you are a man because men are supposed to be strong. They're supposed to be upholding and take care of everything, right? So is mental illness in your mind a sign of weakness? These are all issues that we know are out there. How what can how can we make them better? Um I want you to join the conversation. We show this week after week that when one person calls in with their issues, we find somebody else calls in having had struggle with the same thing or perhaps had a family member who struggled with the same thing. And so you're helping each other. And hopefully as we go through this, I as a professional can help you talk through what's going on in your life. So I hope you'll call in, share those experiences and your questions. Um, you can call in at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So just to kind of set the stage, um, people with mental illnesses are often doubly challenged. And in my mind, it's a bit unlike um, individuals with physical illnesses. Now, you've heard me if you've listened to the show before. All of this, the brain is an organ. It's part of the body. It's, it's often astounded me at how it just seems like we're cut off at the neck. And the, that brain is supposedly a whole separate part. But the brain actually controls your entire body. If you cut that head off, then nothing works, right? The, the heart doesn't know 
uh, what to do, uh, the gut. It, it Nothing works without the brain as well as it works with the brain. Now, yes, um, if you can keep the circulation going, um, some of your organs will work. But um, we all know that the way the mind and body work together are is what makes us humans, right? So people with mental illness are doubly challenged. On one hand, they struggle with the symptoms and the disabilities that they have from their disease. Say they're um, anxious or they're depressed and sad. So they're challenged by that. But then they are also challenged by the stereotypes and the prejudice that can be the result of just a misunderstanding, misconceptions, just frank ignorance about what mental illness is. And so as a result of both of those things, people who have mental illness are really robbed of some of the opportunities that define a, a good quality of life. Many times they're excluded from jobs or lose their jobs. They're excluded from safe housing if there's a diagnosis of, say, schizophrenia. Um, uh, many times their health care, especially their mental health care, is not adequately covered. And, you know, we're supposed to now have pa- parity in mental and physical health care, but there are still issues in many of those health care plans that only pay a certain amount or only cover a certain amount. So you can get maybe partial treatment, but you can't get full treatment. So, you know, although we have some research that has gone uh, very far to help us understand um, mental health, and we know now that it's um, neurochemical imbalances and it's not too much blood or too little blood or you need a bone removed from your head. You know, there were some pretty amazingly inappropriate treatments that went on for um, mental illness. We still have a lot of work to do in the area of the prejudice against people with mental illness. You know, Dr. Um, Buttress, this is Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. And, you know, we were talking off air. Yeah. About the origin and where did the stigma begin? Um, You and I were talking about the way they used to treat mental illness. Right. I mean, just like you said, just talking, it could have come from the beginning. I mean, B.C. They used to drill holes in your head to get the demons or the... uh, incorrectness quote-unquote out uh not necessarily all the time demons they were trying to see what was going on yeah to try to let the evil escape Uh right Uh, those type of treatments began billions of years ago i mean literally so that could be where it started from like you said something's wrong with that person but you and i talk about a lot about what's normal and what's not normal um you said as a professional, when it when it changes or stops you from living your life effectively, exactly. Right. So normal is relative. Normal's relative, and in fact, as you bring that up, about one in four individuals have some sort of mental illness at one time or another. 
So, so let me explain to you sort of the, the scope of mental illness. It can move, and we've talked about all of these on this show before, and you certainly can go to a podcast and listen if you'll just scroll through all that we've covered. Phobias, fears, right? Anxiety, social um, anxiety, obsessive-compulsive disorder, Depression, true depression or depressive symptoms, um, adjustments to um, bad happenings in your life, like the loss of a loved one, can cause an adjustment disorder that will have features either of depression or anxiety. Um, Post-traumatic stress disorder. So many individuals in our southern states have struggled with PTSD just due, not just, due to the severe storms that they've suffered through. So all of that, um, and I could keep going. Um, You know, I mentioned schizophrenia, which we know is often inherited at a fairly high rate. Bipolar disorder, which is um, a disorder that is not uncommon in adults and not uncommon in very, very bright adults who are often completely misunderstood. And if they're not adequately treated, they go from these individuals who can be incredible contributors to our society, to people who end up in institutions. So, yeah, the um, the issues have been out there. They've been out there for a very, very long time, and we continue to have to struggle with them. Um, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit before we go to our first break about there, there are two different kinds of stigma Um, One is the public stigma, so that's the reaction that we, the general population, has to people with mental illness. But you know what else? There's another stigma, and it's called self-stigma. And that's the prejudice which people with mental illness turn against themselves. They turn on themselves. Individuals often with mental illness are ashamed of it. And so they won't admit to it. They won't admit that they need treatment, um, even to the people closest to them. And so that self-stigma can be as destructive as public stigma. Now, because they're both the public and the self-stigma, you know, you, you know that these compounded on each other um, just add to the stereotypical behavior, the prejudice, and the discrimination. So we, we keep talking about how um, we need to do better and we need to uh, recognize better uh, mental illness as something that we should not be ashamed of, but it still happens. So... When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about the reluctance of seeking help and the stigma and what it can do 
to the rest of your life. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about some of those famous people out there who finally have come out and admitted that they're struggling with mental illness. Um, But I'd love to hear from you. We need to hear from you, our people, um, about what you've struggled with and why you think the stigma continues and what do you think we need to do about it. You can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Tell us your story. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. Ron Nixon. When you talk to people in South Africa and you talk to people here, that is a common theme that you don't embarrass your family. Right on Mississippi, a podcast. Download now at mpbonline.org from the Mississippi Book Festival and MPB. Last time on Fix It 101. And the little eccentric bend in the wire lined back up with the slot in it. And it's a real easy, simple fix, and it'll fix that thing right real quick. This is why I like this show, because people like to call in. Right. And, and give it a thing, because I'm telling you, there's some times that somebody's taught me something, you know, because right. I mean, I hadn't seen everything, because somebody's been doing it 30 years, like Chris and Mobile. I mean, the Jeffrey's probably smart as a whip. For more home improvement advice, tune in to Fix It 101 tomorrow at 9 a.m. only on MPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about the stigma of mental illness and what we need to do about it. Why people are so reluctant to talk about what's going on Why are they so reluctant to seek help? So we've been talking about some of the harmful effects of this stigma, and one of them, obviously, is the reluctance to seek help or treatment. But the other, there are several others. Let me just list them for you. Lack of understanding by family or friends or coworkers as to what's going on with you, Um, that you can't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you're depressed, or you can't just push back the anxiety without some help. Also, fewer opportunities for work or schools or social activities. Um, Often um, bullying, bullying even either face-to-face in person or in social media, Um, physical violence can happen to individuals with mental illness. You've heard it. You've seen it. Um, People who on the street are attacked for their diagnosis of schizophrenia, people being fearful, health insurance that doesn't cover this. Um, And then, again, back to that self-stigma, talking about before the break, Um, that you'll never succeed at certain challenges and you can't improve the situation. So all of those things can um, make people who live with mental illness um, have difficulty. And at some point, many have been blamed for their their own conditions. You know, sometimes their symptoms have been referred to as a phase, something they can control if they just tried. Right, Michelle? Yes, and, you know, you made me think about something. The word disease, and when I break that word down, and I know you've heard this before, dis-ease, 
disease. A lot of physical mm-hmm. ailments that right. happen come from your mind, and you said at the top of the show, your brain controls the entire body. It actually does. You can hold yes. your hand on a stove. If your mind doesn't tell your hand that that's hot to move it, you'll sit there and burn burn it to, to a crisp. And that's why exactly. people with diabetes and things like that, they have to be mindful that you're you know, you're not going to feel the uh, nail or something in your foot, but that is important because when you talked about insurance and things like that, okay, you can go to the doctor and get treated for all these other ailments, but when it comes to mental illness, it's so it's challenging to pinpoint it and say, like you said, oh, there's nothing wrong with them. They can, they they're just depressed or just depressed or they can come out of this. Everyone has their own take or own opinion on when it comes to mental illness. Yeah, isn't it? It just astounds me often that it seems that it's so much easier to get research money or money for a center for um, heart disease, which is very, very important. important. Or for diabetes or cancer, very, very important. I don't want to minimize the importance. But as we've talked about on this show over and over again, when one has the stress of depression, anxiety through toxic stress, that stress that causes all these issues with your brain, it also affects your body. So if we only fixed our brain illnesses, our bodies would be better off. We'd have lower rates of diabetes, heart disease, stroke, obesity, and even asthma has been shown to be better with better mental health. You just said a mouthful. Think (laughs) about obesity. Think about eating disorders. That's mental. Some people eat because they're depressed. They eat out of so many reasons. Or they donate. You know, eating disorders on both sides sides. of it Mm -hmm. um, often are generated through maybe some genetics, but a lot from environment and that mental behavioral health that we talk about. If you're out there listening and you're in the medical field, I would really love for someone that's working as a counselor or a psychiatrist or if you're in the mental health field to call us up and give us your opinion on why you think the stigma still exists today. What do you see? What do you deal with on a daily basis in your work environment? Um, What are you doing to try to actually change the stigma of mental health uh, in your communities give us a call again the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four and like you said earlier if you're dealing with this or you you feel uncomfortable about going to speak to someone about your issues mm-hmm. don't sit and just deal with it because it's not going to go away. Right. So let let me give you another tidbit. So, yes, we, we just gave a call out. We'd love for mental behavioral health um, individuals who work in the industry to give us a call. Um, I'd also like for people in the business and economic arena to listen to this. According to the World Health organization who and the world economic forum mental illness represents the biggest economic burden of any health issue in the world costing 2.5 trillion dollars in 2010 
Now, the burden, that's an old number. We know it's increased. The burden is projected to cost $6 trillion by 2030. And for those of you who aren't sure what $6 trillion means, that's $6,000 billion, okay? That's a whole heck of a lot of money. Think about if we could just save money in that area, how much good we could do. We, we would not have poverty as we do today um, if we only did a better job. Okay, I'm going to let that kind of seep with you for a few minutes. Yes, we have a caller, so let's go on to Jesse and Pearl. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for calling. Hi, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Um, I just had a comment about uh, dealing with mental health. Uh, I'm diagnosed with uh, both clinical depression and uh, borderline personality disorder. Um, and I grew up in a very, very religious family mm-hmm. uh, as a child. And because of my dad's beliefs, was always told that, there's nothing to it. All you need is the Bible or whatever. And so because of that, I was not diagnosed with anything until late into my uh, 20s. And for years, was always told that there's nothing to it. It's, it doesn't exist all in your head. Mm-hmm. And that ended up leading to several attempted suicides and uh, nervous breakdowns mm-hmm. and hospitalizations. I've been in and out of therapy for years due to that. So I definitely understand, you know, the stigma that is associated with that and people still today thinking that there's nothing to it and just saying it's all in your head. Right. Well, I guess... It is in your head. It is that your brain is having difficulty, Jesse. I am so sorry that you struggled so hard. I hope you're getting adequate help now. Um, Because when you don't, as you've just noted, you can feel hopeless and helpless. And, And I suspect that's exactly why you had those suicide attempts. And I, I hope you no longer feel hopeless and helpless. Uh, not it's like I said. I've been working with therapy and uh, therapist over the years, and I still struggle with it on a daily basis. But you know, through having a good support group and therapy, and having people to talk to that actually will listen and care about what you have to listen to, makes all the difference in the world than just having people saying it doesn't exist and right. you're they don't believe you. Right. You know, there has been so much misinformation out there, and you're you're exactly right. If you go online right now, you will find some terrible website that is dedicated to trying to convince people that um, that uh, mental illness is is all a ruse and it's all an attempt for people to make money Um it's it's just like some of the issues that we've gotten into with with other big issues where even with we have major, major scientific evidence. Uh, we know the neurochemicals that are involved. We can see 
um, with functional MRIs and PET scans, we can see the dysfunction in the brain and we can see how it works better with the proper treatment, whether it's behavioral treatment or medication. So there's so much evidence out there. It's just stunning that we continue to have um exactly what you experienced Jesse and you don't you don't sound like an old man um maybe you have a young voice but i it uh if you don't mind tell us um how old you are or near uh, I just turned 33 in January. Okay. So exactly what I thought. You're a young man, and um, you grew up when we're supposed to be so enlightened, and clearly we are not. And, you know, yes, maybe prayer, not maybe. I firmly believe that prayer can be helpful, but you can't pray illnesses away many times. You might get some help from prayer or meditation, but for people to think that a serious, significant mental illness um, should just be taken care of by that person is unfair and destructive. And so um, I'm glad you were able to seek help. Now, I want to point out something else you said, Jesse, that that is so important in life, and that's having a good support structure around you. Um, having somebody who listens, somebody who will let you talk and tell about your problems and somebody who cares about your outcome. So, And I do have one quick question, if you have a moment. Absolutely. Um, The only issue I have had with one of my disorders being uh, the borderline personality, the one, uh, the most recent therapist I had told me that because of how rare it is in men, she is unsure of how to deal with it. Uh, is there any place or person you might recommend that can, that specializes or deals with borderline personality disorder in men? Um, you know, honestly, um, Jesse, I, it is not that rare in men. It is more common as I remember, uh, in women, um, I'll tell you, I think a really good resource is our psychiatry department at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Um, They um, really work in all areas and certainly work with um, individuals, adults with personality disorders. Typically, they're not diagnosed until um, late teens or into adulthood. And so I I would encourage you uh, to check um, at UMC um, for for services, you're in Pearl, so services are right there uh, in in the Jackson area. So think about that. the The other thing uh, too is to make sure that you've got a proper diagnosis uh, that it really is a personality disorder because sometimes those are misdiagnosed. So I would encourage you to do that too. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. All right. And I did make sure it was definitely confirmed. It was actually the uh, head of the psychiatric department at UMC who diagnosed me. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, I, if if it's the one who is presently there, I know him well, and he's highly skilled. So then I would not question that diagnosis. So I would go back to the psychiatrist, though, who diagnosed you and ask where he would recommend appropriate treatment. 
All right, I'll do that. I appreciate it, and thank you very much. Okay. Thanks so much for calling, Jesse. Okay, I'm being told that we need to go to our next break. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about some of those incredibly important, very brilliant individuals who suffered from mental illness and uh, maybe some of the struggles that they had. We also will talk about what we need to do to try to work toward overcoming that stigma. But we'd love to hear from you about your experiences, perhaps maybe the barriers that you had or the struggles that you had. You can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You know, I'd also like to hear from you if you have some good ideas about services and successes that you had. So call us about treating mental illness, how you approached it, what you did. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MVB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about the stigma of mental illness and what it does to those who need help with mental illness. Those negative attitudes and stereotypes can be so destructive. From an from a really young age, children will often refer to others as crazy, right? Crazy or weird. Those terms are used commonly throughout adulthood as well. So what is that doing? So the bias is not limited sometimes to people who are uninformed or disconnected to people. And in fact, some healthcare providers have been shown to have um, some biases there. Even some mental health professionals sometimes hold these same stereotypes. So what are we doing? Where are we going? What are we doing to try to make things better? You know, the other, our first caller, Jesse, who who called in, uh, pointed out a couple of things that I wanted to reiterate. The negative attitudes often manifest as social distancing with respect to people with mental illness. So if you have a mental illness and you have family members, then what happens often is family members are good friends when some severe obsessive compulsive disorder or depressive symptoms or bipolar symptoms start manifesting, what happens? Those people that are closest to you start pushing away. So they increase social distance. What's important when somebody has an illness? What is most important when somebody has an illness? It's for people to gather around them. But Dr. Buttress, if someone had cancer or diabetes or uh, lupus or anything like that, the entire family will rally towards them, right? especially cancer. Oh, you heard so-and-so has cancer, and they're calling, and they're asking what can they do. They're so supportive. Right. And like you said, we're going to have to change that. We've got to change that social distancing mm-hmm. because exactly what happens to these individuals who have that social distancing is exactly what it makes it worse. So they experience social isolation and loneliness 
And we're not talking um, about being alone, but true loneliness where you don't feel like you have someone. Then all of that compounds on top of what you're, the negative feelings that you're already um, having. So social rejection, isolation is further damaging. And like Jesse said, he attempted suicide because of that, because no one believed him. No one uh, came to his rescue. He he was looked upon as something's wrong with him or, or nothing's wrong with him. He's just, like he said, quote, unquote, weird. Making it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, making it up. Needs to fix it himself. Pull himself up by the bootstraps. And as one of my daughters has long said, if you have no bootstraps, how can you pull them up? And that's what we have to just remember, that we have to equip people. So we've long understood. I'm going to make this point one more time, and then I'm going to ask you if you've experienced this. It's long been understood that social isolation is associated with poor mental and physical outcomes. The there's something that we call the lethality of loneliness. So have you, listening audience, if you have ever been diagnosed with a mental illness, did you feel like people came and put their arms around you and tried to help you? Or did you find that you were pushed back, that you were more isolated, that people seemed to look at you oddly? I'd love to hear from you about your experiences. You can call one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send that email to family at mpbonline dot org. Dr. Butchers, I do want to uh, interject here and say that uh, Heinz Behavior Health um, Services has done a great job at helping uh, lower the stigma with mental health with teens. Their Infusion Metro program, they don't have the teens coming to the program. Right. And, oh, you're going to see a therapist. We do a lot of groups. I know. We do a lot of group setting, and that helps. Right, right. Great. Okay. Um, I I 100% agree. We've got a couple of calls coming in. So um, as... As Michelle's getting those, let's let's talk a little bit about services out there. Heinz um, Behavioral Health does a great job. Um, Canopy Solutions does a great job. Um, our Center for the Advancement of Youth at UMC. There are resources out there, and we also now have telepsychiatry going on around our state. So there's been some mis- there has been some real conception. The reality of it is that we didn't have enough services um, out there, but they are building. And as we show more need, they will build even more. So I don't want you to think there is not help out there. There is help out there for individuals who who need help. And, you know, the more we educate people and the more people who reach out, the better off we will all be. I don't know if I said this earlier in the show, but one in four individuals will experience, I did, um, at some type of mental behavioral health issue. One in four. That's most of us. I mean, 25% of us. Um, So you have to remember, there are people all around you. If you're not one of those, there are many around you who are experiencing it. 
right, let's go back to the phone lines. We have Becky and Jackson. Hi, Becky. Thanks for calling. Well, thank you. Um, I so enjoy your show, and I I did call um, not too long ago about um, me having stage 4 cancer and basically um, having to lift myself up by my own bootstraps. But what but what you're talking about is um, people are so stigmatized by the word depression or the word anxiety or the word you're bipolar that nobody really wants, everybody wants to just ignore it. And that's kind of how my family deals with any any bad situation, any uh, crisis. It's like, oh, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and yeah. everything will be okay. But unfortunately, when you do that and you don't get professional help, then you're just pushing everything else down. And eventually it's going to come out in a, in a different, odd sort of way. But um, what I guess my point was is that I have pushed my older sisters away, mm-hmm. and I have not heard from them since I was diagnosed because I did tell them that they were toxic. The first time I had cancer, they said I was despondent during my chemo. And even wow. though that was 18 years ago, and they're all nurses. Wow. See, exactly what I said. Many times individuals who are in health, the health industry, um, have hold those stigmas too. So, so Becky, um, you, you said you pushed them away. You, because they, what were they saying that you shouldn't have been despondent or sad that you were having to go through chemotherapy? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And um, yeah. when I was getting the procreate, my uh, uh, sister that's an oncological um, nurse, she said, I've seen eight-year-olds get it better than you. And it's like it was because I'm the youngest of six, I was always criticized. And so how can somebody grow if they're constantly being put down? So unfortunately, I kind of made the decision to do it. And uh, my daughter and son are very upset about it because my older sisters has told them have told them that your mom is just crazy you know and so um i let them you know i said it's up to you if y'all want to have a relationship with your aunt that's fine i yeah. said just please don't and and then on mother's day on the way home from new orleans my daughter said uh well do you want to tell me what aunt nancy did to make you so upset I said, no, I really don't because it upsets me all over. I said, it's the things that constantly have been shoved down my throat. Like, you're not worthy. You're the youngest and the dumbest. You're the, but but I'm not. And, you know, so a lot of times criticism from family can be so destructive. It can. And, And, but you know, Becky, have you ever talked to a therapist about this? Have you ever talked to someone to help you work through these feelings at all? Yes. Good. Yes. Good. And, um, you know, and I have. And um, fortunately, my doctor, my uh, oncologist, tricked me because <laughs> he said the uh, antidepressant effector would um, get rid of my hot flashes. Uh-huh. Well, I didn't know till I took the mental health screening. Um, at the cancer conference I just attended, that I've been depressed probably for since for 40 years since my mother was murdered. Oh, and gosh. so I just 
forgotten it, pushed it on the back burner, pulled myself up on my bootstraps, like Mama used to say, and not dealt with it. And so um, I realized that being angry is a part of depression. It's just another way of, and I, I was so shocked because my boyfriend's a psychiatrist, and it's like, you never told me that sometimes when I get angry about my sisters that I'm really depressed about it. He said, yeah. Yeah. So that's just another way of emoting uh, negative it is. And, you know, and and younger individuals, certainly in in uh, teenagers, we we often say mad is sad uh, when there's that chronic feeling of irritability and, and anger. And so good point. I'm glad you brought that up. It sounds like, Becky, you had so many issues with your mother being murdered. Uh, many people suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder with that, if not depression. And so I'm I'm glad you've sought help. I'm yeah. glad you have your boyfriend who's a psychiatrist <laughs> to talk I to. Try, I don't try to try to give him any arm I don't try to take any armchair advice from him because we're we're strictly on a uh, on a free, you know we don't want I don't want to bring him right I don't like you don't want your loved I mean, one I, being your treating yeah, one yeah the rest of my life yeah. I want to be happy yes so you choose happiness but, but this is what I would encourage you to do Becky I would encourage you to try to work through those feelings with your sisters so that you can forgive them. You can let yourself forgive them, not dwell on that past. Write them a letter and say, I forgive you. That's all you need to do. I forgive you. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and that way and tell your children that you forgive them and that you want to move forward, you're not going to look in the past. And you would love for them to have a good relationship with your siblings. Uh, You may not be here forever. So, I mean, obviously, none of us are going to be here forever. We could all be gone in a flash. I just have the sentence. You know, I just have the... Yeah. But, you know, it's like, who knows? I mean, because my faith has carried me through everything. But that little antidepressant that got rid of my hot flash has really made me think clearer about well right. I'm dealing with something but when I get angry at the littlest things then I know that that's really something I haven't dealt with absolutely in an abnormal way right absolutely and that's why you have to get treatment thank you Becky and well, good luck you. and thanks for calling again I appreciate well, it all right Bye-bye. Let's stay on the phones. I want to go to Charlie in Memphis, who's been waiting a bit. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for calling. Hey there. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that Becky talked about uh, anxiety and anger being part of depression. Right. That's partly what I'm going through this year. Um, I haven't had counseling since last year, but I think the counseling helps. But I've never been on an antidepressant. So for many years, I've been suffering from the depression and the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go through a, a research study here in the Memphis area uh, about what to take or what to do for it. For medication. Or right. is it is it a research study on medication or medication and treatment? Both. It's a, it's a research study on both. And um, because I used to work for psychologists for years, I have pretty strong feelings about therapy, which I go every three or four years. Good. But 
not being able to, as she said, you can't explain away your anxiety or your anger. You can only, like you said, try to forgive yourself for being that way and knowing that it's part of your depression. Exactly. That took me years to find out. Yeah. So you're helping me bring up another point I meant to make. And by the way, when I said medication or treatment, I meant psychological treatment, obviously. Yeah. Medication yeah. is treatment. Um, yeah. But, but Charlie, you, you bring up a point that I need to make sure I clarify. Sometimes we feel anxiety or depression due to a situation like the diagnosis of cancer or struggling with the treatment that you're going through or struggling with a loss. But Sometimes there is not an inciting incident. Sometimes it's something that is called intrinsic. It's just inborn. You have a deficiency of those neurochemicals that are needed to make you feel happy and have a stable mood. And so that that is really, really important to know because it may mean that a medication is needed to help, yes. you know, with that deficiency that you have, and just like insulin, right, I with diabetes. So. Exactly the same thing. And, and like a lot of people don't realize, you can have been, like myself, happy-go-lucky, the funniest person in the room, having the most fun most of your life. And then when you suffer from depression, you're the opposite, and you have to deal with the changes that makes and it may be that it's chemical, and it may be that you need something. Right. Absolutely. And so that's what everybody needs to remember. And, and it's important that those who are struggling with the mental health issues do not think that they have to self-diagnose and figure out how to treat themselves. That's what we have all these wonderful professionals out there for. And so, Charlie, I appreciate you doing this. And, and I will say I also appreciate you being one of those individuals who allows themselves to be enrolled in medical research because that's how we are able to know what to do and what's the best treatment. So, well, even though I'm not really from Mississippi, I listen to your show regularly, and I think that the advice you give and the help you give people is so necessary, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, Charlie. That means a lot to me. I love what I do. Thank you. (laughs) Good luck on that study. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Let's go to Elliot in Hattiesburg. Hi, Elliot. Thanks for calling in. Dr. Butchers. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Good. I, I just want to make a comment. Of course, I work in the mental health field and everything, too. And, uh, you know, just even the concept sometimes about pulling oneself up by one's bootstraps, it's really, I, I would say, an illusion in, in and of itself. I mean, I think as a society, we're convinced in our hyper-individualistic society that we can do it on our own. But right. we know that we're social creatures and have been so ever since... <laughs> Um, the beginning, if yes. you, will, you know, so we, we need people and everything, too. But I was just going to say to reflect on the, the bootstraps concept, and I, I know that's used a lot. I know I think we, we all, I think we probably all feel that way sometimes, that why don't I just work harder? Maybe I'm not showing enough initiative. But even the concept of it, I was reading somewhere that maybe they had in the paper one time, it was meant to be a joke that, that a, uh, a cowboy could go up to a fence and 
literally pull himself up by his bootstraps and float over the fence somehow without any help. And so the concept itself <laughs> became a joke, but, but nowadays we, we take it to mean uh, something that actually can be done. Right. In reality, it was just something false to begin with. So I think it's our, uh, I think we have to take a second look at, um, I think, the hyper-individualism of our society and how it has not aided us in, at all uh, treating our own mental health, too, that we, we need others, we need people, and it's not something you can just will away or think away that it takes uh it takes you you need help and um absolutely you, know, you, you need resources so elliot you speaking of resources you're in the area of mental behavioral health in hattiesburg yes. tell our listeners where you are if they want to reach out to you oh okay what uh you mean where i work yeah okay i work at uh, canopy children's solutions great and so i'm uh a, a child therapist Thank you. Thank you for your work, and thank you for being there. You're absolutely right. We need to quit making people think they have to take care of themselves. It's a village, right? It is. All right. Thank Thank you, you, Elliot. All right. Let's go to our last caller, James. We can squeeze you in. We've got a couple of minutes. Tell us what your thoughts are in Wiggins. Yes. Um, There is a book, and the name of the book is with the old breed by eb sledge Uh and it's about a man who well went through a lot of depression and survived Uh and if anybody would be willing to buy that book and read it it might help them a lot sometimes it is very helpful to read about the struggles of someone else and understand what they went through. I think so many times individuals who struggle with mental illness feel so alone and they think that it's just them. And how could anybody have the negative thoughts that they have or how could anybody have the obsessive thoughts that cloud their mind? And the reality is there are a lot of people out there. Twenty five percent of us struggle with this kind of thing. So, James, repeat that book again. Someone might want to know that to read it. With the old breed. With the old breed. Okay. Uh, E.B. Sledge. So I... S-L-E-D-G-E. He was from Mobile, Alabama. Oh, a local artist. Great. Okay. Well, there are many books out there um, like that that talk about the struggles that individuals had. And and like I said, sometimes it's very helpful. Uh, I'll just mention a couple of other places you need to look for resources. NAMI, that's N-A-M-I. Their website is wonderful. The National Institute of Mental Health has some great information and the Centers for Disease Control. So there are plenty of places you can look. Um, If you need further help, please go seek it. Ask friends. Reach out. 
Thanks, everybody, for your calls, and thanks for listening. Today's show was engineered by Michelle McAdoo. And was our call screener you too, Michelle? I believe it was. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and you can stay tuned right now for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.